Let's open our Bibles uh, to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. And uh, start our study in 1 Timothy. We're going to start with, with this idea of who is, who is Timothy or who was Timothy. And, uh, but the book of 1 Timothy is one of uh, a group of letters called the... Smaller group of letters called the the pastoral letters, the pastoral epistles, and there really are there are three letters in this group of letters written by Paul: First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. All three in a row there in that section of, of your New Testament, and and really the they call it the pastoral epistles. There it covers a lot of different subjects and issues and things in there, but they call it the pastoral epistles because. Because Paul is, uh, is giving lessons in leadership, lessons in pastoral care to Timothy. Though uh, when I read other letters, uh, I see Paul giving the same kinds of things to so many other people in so many other places. But they kind of they focus in a little bit more, a little bit more in these uh, uh, chapters, uh, in these books, because they're written to specific individuals who are pastoring churches, Timothy being one, Titus being another, obviously. So, but as we study these letters, these pastoral epistles, and, and uh, I think there really is a message for us. I really do believe that, that, that we can grow in leading, we can grow in serving, that God wants to speak to us through His Word. It's no, it's no um, coincidence that God is bringing us to this place. I really believe that. Now, Paul's writing to younger disciples that were serving with him, Timothy and Titus, but, but there were so many others. And it really is kind of amazing when you think about what Paul would do. He, he would always have different people serving with him. And in some letters, like at the end of the book of Romans, there's a whole list of people that he goes through. But some of the others uh, that you would recognize, Barnabas and Silas, uh, were co-workers, partners with Paul that he was uh, uh, teaching. It's kind of an interesting story as we look at how this all developed. Uh, a guy, the guy Barnabas, actually, he brought Paul onto the scene when they were afraid of Paul because he, they said this is a guy that was persecuting uh, Christians. And then he says, well, I'm going to bring him on. And he, and he vouched for him. He brought him uh, then to a place to teach and then it, and Paul kind of rose up and became the leader. And, and then later on, uh, Paul, uh, they had an, actually an issue together, and, and Paul and Barnabas didn't go out together again. You can read about that uh, at another time. And then Paul uh, took this guy named Silas with him. But there were so many others as well, a guy named Sopater, Aristarchus, Gaius, Tychicus, Trophimus, and many, many others. But he would take these young, younger disciples along with him, and they would serve with him. But, but he would train them and mentor them. That's a, a big word nowadays. But, but he never kind of lorded it over them. He was co-workers, and he calls them co-workers in many places. We'll see that. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus... By the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to, excuse me, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. 
for Paul, this was kind of very personal. Notice he calls him my true son in the faith. It's like family. And, and listening to Dave uh, share some of their experiences and traveling and around and that, you know, we in the faith, we're family, no matter where we are. And he, again, he's going to go to a different place and they're going to meet with other believers in the family that uh, make up the body of Christ are amazing. Now, Timothy's story, Timothy, we're going to turn to it in a second, but Timothy came from a place called Lystra. And Lystra is found in modern day Turkey. And Paul went there on his first, what's called the first missionary journey. And so he was traveling around, and, and many believe that be, the reason he calls him my true son in the faith is because during the first missionary journey, that Timothy responded to the call, to the gospel, to Jesus, and gave his heart and life and became a believer. We're going to look at some of the family things that are involved in that, but that's one of the reasons why he calls him his own son, his true son in the faith. Now, let's turn back and to Acts chapter 16 and, and kind of see what happened and how this all came about. Because, you know, the Bible is not just stories that were, were made up. This is historical uh, accounts that have happened. And, and this man, Timothy, is a real person. And he grew up and, and had things going on in his family like you and I have. He came from a place and he was affected by all the different things in his life. But... Acts chapter 16, this is the um, first missionary journey. We're going to look and see what Timothy saw and what Timothy heard there. Let's pick it up in verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions, they traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul had this vision to come to Macedonia. Verse 11, from Troas we put out to sea and we, st we sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. <clears throat> um, you know what? I'm in the wrong chapter. It is really good, but something happened here. Let me see here. I think. Um, how did this happen? Acts chapter sixteen. This is that's all about Philippi. We we looked at that before. Um, chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Let's go back to chapter fourteen. That's all good stuff too, but that's a different time and a different place. I apologize that for that. I've been. Uh, I'm going to make an excuse now, and I, I want you all to groan along with me. But I had the flu really bad this last week. Everybody kind of groaned, and so I'm going to use that as an excuse. Acts chapter 14. 
Acts chapter 16 is where we pick it up with Timothy joining Paul. Uh, in verse 6, let's start over again. I apologize. But they found out about but they found out about it. There was a plot against Paul and the, and the disciples that were with him. And it says that they fled to the Lycaonian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. So they, now they were chased, really, and they ended up in this city called Lystra, which is where Timothy is from. Now we're back on track here. In verse 8, in Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. And he listened to Paul. As he was speaking, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. This is the place where Timothy lived. This is what was going on there. Obviously, a bunch of idolatry, these gods that they were worshiping, they see something miraculous happen, and they think Paul and Barnabas are gods. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, they brought bulls, and he brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of us, they tore, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony, and he has shown kindness he has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. Verse 18, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Verse 19, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul. They dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city and the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Verse 21, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, in Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said, and they appointed elders. A long passage there, but, but this, is, this is the place where Timothy was living. This is what they saw. And it's interesting to note, at one moment, they're wanting to worship these two guys. And then the next moment, they're actually throwing rocks, stoning them, and leaving Paul laying on the ground as if he was dead. Now, we don't know if he was actually dead and God raised him from the dead, or he was just in such a bad state they thought he was dead. But the point is, they, they thought it was all over for him. I wonder, I wonder though, was Timothy there? Did he see these things that were happening? This is the place that Timothy lived. Notice he says there that, that he went back to Lystra, and in verse 22 he strengthened the disciples and he encouraged them to remain true to the faith. There were just some disciples that, that had given their hearts and lives to Jesus even before they came back to kind of see them that little second time there. 
This is what Timothy saw and heard. He talked about it as being the good news. We are bringing you good news in verse 15, he says. And then they stone him to death. They stone him till at least he was, they thought he was dead. I wonder if you and I had seen this kind of thing, would we still give our lives to Jesus Christ if we saw someone who comes and gives you the good news like this? And then the persecution begins for them and they're left for dead. Would you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump on board with that? Interesting to think about it. The good news, the power of God, but also persecution. And also, he said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul wasn't pulling any punches. He wasn't pretending that it's all, you know, beautiful. Everything is wonderful. There are some hard times, even as believers. There are hard times for you and I to follow the the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to go through many hardships. You know, I don't know about you, but I've seen, you know... Uh, people get up and speak and say, you know what, you, you, it's all going to be good. You, you are going to have a lot of money. You are never going to be sick. Everything is going to be perfect for you as a believer. You know what, I, I, I haven't found that part in the Bible where they say that's the only thing that's going to happen. I see what Paul says here. He encouraged them, and I want to encourage you as well. It's going to be difficult. I go through difficult times. I went through one, you know, like 10 years ago. No, more like 10 minutes ago. We all go through difficult things. And we need to encourage one another. That's why it's difficult. You know, we don't, last week we, didn't, we weren't able to get together. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. Just seeing each other's faces. Even if you don't have this, you know, blistering message that you give to somebody, you know what, for them to see your face is an encouragement. For me to see your faces here today, I am encouraged by that. Not just because I have someone to speak to. That is kind of encouraging. <laughs> but, but just to see, see you and, and know you, know who you are, and that you are, that you are following Jesus, and you've given your heart and life to Jesus. That's encouraging to me. And, and hopefully the fact that, that you know, someone else shows up will, will be encouraging to you as well. You know, uh, it talks about in Hebrew, you know, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. Don't, don't give up getting together with other believers. That isn't just some kind of legalistic, you know, injunction. That's because we need each other. You know, there's so many people, and I, I saw it when we first moved to Rhode Island so many years ago, that there are so many people that just do not go anywhere. They're not a part of any kind of fellowship, any kind of uh, uh, gathering together of believers. You know what? That's sad. That's really sad. Well, I, you know, maybe they have a good reason. The, there was a, a difficult thing that happened in the church they were a part of. Or, you know, some, somebody hurt them. There's a lot of reasons we can come up with, but you know what? We need to put those things aside and say, you know what? I need to be a part of the body and I need to give what I can give. And be who I am in the body. That's a whole message. Okay, let's go home. No, just kidding. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Because as we look at this man, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, we find that he was a real person. He had issues. He had stuff that was going on in his life. 
But you know, there's something about his home life that was pretty incredible, and we're going to see it here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 5. He's now speaking to uh, Timothy. And actually, look at verse 4. He says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. First, we see he was emotional. He, had, he, he would cry. For whatever reason, he was an emotional person, and, and some of us are more emotional than others. But notice, notice here the, the impact of this godly home. It says, it says his mother. It says his grandmother. The faith that were, were in these two people that affected him in a very deep, in a very real way, I believe. You know, it's not always easy to raise children. It's not always easy to be a part of a family. But, but you know, don't ever underestimate what you can do and the impact that you can have. Just by your faith, just by your life. It doesn't mean you have to sit down and, and you know, uh, grill your, your children, your grandchildren with some kind of message. But just being who you are, a person of a sincere faith. Real faith is a, is, is a powerful thing. Look in verse uh, chapter 3 there in 2 Timothy. He says in verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then verse 16 is that well-known passage about the scripture being God-breathed. Notice there he said, he said that that from infancy that his, his family were, were teaching him. I can just imagine, you know, we don't know again how this happened. Were they reading scriptures to him? Again, uh, his mother and his grandmother were, appeared to be a part of this picture here. And they at some point in time, whether it was during this first missionary journey, they also became believers in Christ Jesus. But before that, they also were teaching the Holy Scripture being the Old Testament, Right? They were teaching and instructing and passing it along. I kind of believe that once they heard about Jesus, they go, wow, this is it. This, this all now comes together for us. That Jesus is the Messiah that the Old Testament has, you know, that we've been reading about, that we know and, and believe. The impact of a godly home. It's very powerful. So, that's the early life of Timothy and, and being trained and raised up. And then, and then it just happens to be that Paul comes onto the scene and, and maybe because of the seeds that had been planted by his mother, by his, his grandmother. We're going to talk about his father here in just one second. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 16. And we've already talked about uh, that Timothy was a son in the faith, but let's look back to Acts chapter 16. This is where we went. We were supposed to go to Acts chapter 16. Uh, not those same verses, though. Only the first couple of verses here in Acts chapter 16. It says that Paul, now this is the second missionary journey, right? 
The first missionary journey, we looked at that in Acts chapter 14 and what happened there. Paul, you know, went through all that trial and being left for dead and encouraging the disciples that were there. Now in Acts chapter 16, he's on his second journey. It says he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. So now Timothy is called a disciple. Again, exactly where did he become a believer, we don't exactly know, but it's most likely during the first journey that Paul was there, that he received, that he believed, that he trusted in Jesus Christ. And then it's some time later when Paul comes back and, and he's called a disciple there. What is a disciple? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. That's what a disciple is, a follower of Jesus. Now, Paul, we're reading we're looking at the book of 1 Timothy. Paul's being uh, uh, training Timothy to be a leader, but a leader has always got to be a follower. A leader has always got to be a follower. That's so important. You know, leaders aren't just leaders. They're also followers, and they're followers of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can't give someone what you don't have if you're not a follower, if you don't if you don't have a relationship and a walk with Jesus, you can't lead anybody else in it. It's not, a, it's not a book that you just teach some book. It's a relationship. It's a life. Verse 2, it says that the brothers at Lystra and, and Iconium spoke well of him. So he had a good reputation. And that's important as well. He had a good reputation. He was living the life. People knew about him. People knew who he was. That's important. Verse 3, this is kind of interesting. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. His father was a Greek. Okay, so his mother was Jewish, right? His grandmother was Jewish. His father was a Greek. That's an interesting. So you've got this kind of a mixed household here that Timothy is growing up in. We don't really know a lot about his father. They say that uh, some of the language may indicate that he had actually already died. But we don't know for sure. But he, there's nothing here saying that he was a believer. Difficult. If you've got a situation like that, your mom is a believer, your father is not. But now you have this situation where Paul, he wants to take Timothy along in the journey, and so he circumcises, circumcises him. He's, he, because his father was a Greek, he, he hadn't been circumcised. You say, well, what, what is that all about, and why would he bother to do that at all? Because Paul teaches in, in other places very strongly, very clearly, that you do not need to be circumcised to become a believer to be justified, to be, uh, enter into the family of God. So why in the world would he do that? It says there, because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Really, the simple reason and the only reason is that he wanted to be more effective. And, and he, Paul, had a burden and he had a heart. He would always go to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. 
Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles, but he always had this heart for the Jews. And so for him, he wanted to take Timothy with him. So basically, it's, it's the, the type of thing, all things to all men. It, it wasn't so that Timothy could become saved. Does that make sense? He wanted to make him more accessible in the, in the places that Paul was going to go. It's interesting when you think about this, because reading about later, we'll get to uh, Titus where Titus was not Jewish at all. And it says they did not, they did not force Titus to be circumcised. Whole different situation, though. Whole different set of circumstances. But either way, that is not part of what salvation is based upon. Verse 4, as they travel from town to town, <clears throat> excuse me, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. So Timothy is now traveling with them. Silas is with them as well. And, and Paul is bringing these believers along with him. Again, we're trying to build a, a foundation of, of, of who this guy Timothy is. He'd, he'd been there during the first trip. He'd seen all those things that happened, some of, some of them really good and some of them really bad. And now Paul comes along and says, you know what, I'd like you to go along with me. I'd like you to travel with me. I'd like you to go out and, and serve the Lord with me. He's, he, he's a disciple, Paul knows that. He has a good reputation, Paul knows that. And he says, will you come along with me? It's as simple as that. But is that everything we know about Timothy? No. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 12, I should have had you kept a marker in 1 Timothy, knowing we were going back and forth here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. We see Timothy was young. He was younger than Paul. We don't really know exactly how old he was. He could have been in his teens, late teens. So he was young. So is, you know, is there a certain age limit? Uh, is there a certain age requirement to serve the Lord? No, there's not at all. Don't let anybody stop you because of your age, whether you're young or whether you're old. I think we're in our society we're we're kind of uh, we're kind of like zoned in on the young people and and you know, to being young is where it's at, you know. But but don't let anybody look down on you because you're older either. Because we all have a ministry, we all have a, a service, we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. He was young. Another interesting thing uh, that Paul says to Timothy is to flee youthful lust. So that kind of gives us an idea too that he was younger. But you could also make a case, though, the youthful lusts don't necessarily just attack or just are a problem for younger people. It doesn't matter. Youthful lusts can attack the young and the old. How about chapter 5, verse 23? Some of you will see this. He kind of had a weak constitution. He said to Timothy, stop drinking only water. And use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. 
Stop drinking only water. He had this problem. His constitution was kind of weak. He was sick frequently. Maybe it was the water was bad. You know, back then they didn't have, you know, purification systems like we have. They didn't have all that stuff. And, and, and you, you know, make, make a case that the wine, you know, was fermented and, and killed any of the bad bugs in there. But the fact of the matter is here is that Timothy, he, he, was, he was sick a lot. So how could, you know, you'd think God would choose somebody that was really strong and really, you know, always on top of things. But here God's choosing to use this guy, Timothy, who's young. He's got a weak stomach. He's, he's frequently ill. I find that kind of encouraging, don't you? Or maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm not strong enough. I can't serve the Lord. That's not, I just can't, I'm never, I'm never, you know, I'm, I'm fighting this sickness sickness, and, and fighting this illness and I can't really serve the Lord. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can. I, I find, you know, uh, you know that, that that really is not any kind of uh, uh, problem for the Lord. In fact, Paul talks about, he says, when, you know, when he had this issue, this problem, and he asked God to take it away from him, right? You know what, what the Lord said? Yeah, he said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. And he says, you know, because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And in some ways for us to be weak and, and the fact that we're, we're frail just shows the fact that God is stronger. How about turn ahead to 2 Timothy chapter 1. You're going to probably know this one too, that Timothy was fearful. You say, well, I can't really serve God. I'm too fearful. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God did not give us the spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of, of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner. He was fearful. He faced fears. You and I face fears all the time. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you, when you know you're going to be doing something, serving the Lord somehow, and, and the fear kind of, you just kind of get fearful, and you just, it, things aren't right in the world. Things aren't right inside yourself. But, but I, find, I find that when you, when you ask God to just provide, and then you get there, and you do what God asks you to do, and you go, wow, God, you did it again. You provided again. When I was fearful, and, it, and it, it, it really should point us to the fact that that really is the Lord working through us, and not our, we ourselves. He was fearful. 1 Corinthians 16.10, I'll read it to you. It says, if Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. See to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you. That tells me that he's, he was kind of fearful. He was a fearful person. I think fear is one of the things that stops us from serving the Lord more than anything else, fear. It stops us from sharing with our neighbors, our families, and friends because we're afraid of what they might think or say. Fear. But Timothy was fearful, yet he still served the Lord. You and I can still serve the Lord as well. A few more that we'll look at here. Number one, uh, he was called a brother. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, And Timothy, our brother, 
Again, there's this family. He calls him his son. He also calls him his brother. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? The second thing here in Philippians, he calls him a servant of Christ Jesus. And not only that, but he, he uses them in the plural together. Paul and Timothy together were servants. I think that's very important to note that Timothy was a servant. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Now, Paul takes the opportunity and he sends Timothy out to serve. He sends Timothy out to bring this message, but he calls him God's fellow worker, brother and God's fellow worker. We're in this thing together. Paul, again, as I said earlier, Paul uh, realized that he, he wanted to put something into these young, younger men, but he also knew that they were just as much servants, they were just as much co-workers, they were just as much brothers in the faith as, as any others. We are in this thing together. One more here. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, For this reason I am sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. One of the things that's required, uh, Paul said in, in uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, is that what's required of a, of a steward is that he be found faithful. Be found faithful. You know what? That's what we need more than anything is just to be faithful to serve the Lord. Just to be faithful. We need to show up and see what God will do. To be faithful, he was a faithful servant in the Lord. One more passage I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2, and we'll close with that passage. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. <clears throat> I'm running out of time here, but if I hadn't gone into that whole other passage, you know, we would have been just right on here. Philippians chapter 2 verse 19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. And notice what he said in verse 20. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. That's powerful, isn't it? Timothy, he, see, he cared for people. He, he cared for the people. And, and Paul said, I have no one else that's like him. Now, he wasn't saying that none of the other people he worked with were, were not important. He's just said that there was something about this guy, Timothy, even though he was fearful, he was sick a lot. Oh, Paul, I, I don't think I can do it today. I got, a, I got a stomach ache. Oh, Paul, I don't think I can. No, you can do it. The Lord will help you. But yet he had a heart for the people that, that made him unique in Paul's eyes. He cared. He says, I've got no one else like him who takes an, a genuine interest in your welfare. That goes a long way, you know. Maybe God has given you a heart for people. Maybe God has given you a heart for the people in this church. That is something very, very special. Notice it also said there that, Paul, that Timothy had proved himself. We have to prove ourselves. We have to serve. 
You know, we don't, we don't automatically become, you know, at the top. We have to prove ourselves, do what we're called to do, show up, be faithful. So this, this guy, Timothy, I hope I've given you a little bit of a picture of who he was. This is a guy that, that, that Paul is writing to, this letter, 1 Timothy. He's not perfect by any means. That's encouraging. But he's a very real person, a very real deal uh, things going on in his life. But, but notice this, that Paul couldn't do it all. Paul wasn't a guy who said, you know, I, I'm, I'm Paul the Apostle and I'm going to do it. The first thing Paul did was get people to help him, get people to serve with him, co-workers. He couldn't do it on his own. And, and to, to think about that for ourselves for our church is that we serve together and I can't do it alone. This is our church. This is your church. This is my church. We're in this thing together. And the future, the future of this church depends on all of us. It really, really does. So my question to you is what, what has God gifted you to do? What, what do you see? You know, I, I'm amazed. I talk with people and, and, and they see something and, and I go, wow, I never saw that. I can't see everything. So what is it that you see for, for this church and for this fellowship? What do you see? There are things that you wish we could do more of. Or maybe an idea for some kind of outreach that we're not doing. Or maybe something we did before and we want to try it again. What do you see? What do you want to, to see happen here? My challenge to you is that you need to speak up and you need to step up. Because we're going to do this thing together. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for your love for the church. But we also thank you for your love for the world. That you have a heart for the lost. And Father, we pray that you would give us a heart for the lost. That you have a heart for the young people of this world and you we pray that you'd give us a heart for the young people of this world you have a heart for the hurting the injured we pray that you'd give us a heart for those that are hurting and injured you have a heart for even those that are doing well and and we pray that we would also have a heart for them as well father i pray that as we Think about Timothy as we begin this journey and studying this book. Lord, you would raise up men and women to be servants, to be co-workers, to be laborers, disciples. That we might, in these last days, uh, be used by you to serve you in whatever way that we can. Despite our weaknesses, despite our fears, despite who we uh, are in and of ourselves. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. Do a work, Lord. I pray a special work upon this fellowship. Raise up men and women to be servant leaders. Father, I also want to pray here this morning for any that might be listening that have never surrendered their life to Jesus as Timothy did, as Timothy's mother did, as his grandmother did, as so many others there in that city of Lystra so many years ago. Lord, that today... would be an opportunity 
to give their lives and hearts to Jesus Christ and become a follower, a disciple. If that's you today, you, you can simply open your heart and life and, and right now take this opportunity and simply call upon the name of Jesus. Cry out to him and say, Jesus, I, I'm lost. I'm searching for truth. I don't understand it all, but I open my life to you today. Come into my life. I turn to you today from all my ways to you and to your way. In Jesus' name we pray.